sat on the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, this is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods, and I shall say to myself, Now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus it will be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. If you are wondering why I'm wearing white today, it's because we've been granted an indult by the bishop to celebrate St. John Vianney today. Uh, So, kind of changes the way, uh, the order of the sacraments I was going to go in. I was going to start with baptism and then go through, but uh, to be baptized, you have to talk with a priest first. So, starting with holy orders isn't a bad place to begin with. So, just to make a distinction, at baptism, we all receive what's called the common priesthood which means that we can offer up ourselves in sacrifice as well as all of our sufferings and mortifications. We can do this. Uh, And this is different from the ministerial priesthood, which is where men receive the power and grace to perform sacred duties that are associated with deacons, priests, and bishops. Uh, And since today is St. John Vianney, uh, let's focus on the priesthood itself. To start with a little bit of technical talk, It gives man an indelible character. So this is one of the three sacraments that does so, such as baptism and confirmation. Those are the other two. And this character is called an ontological change. It cannot be removed. Uh, And this is because it, it strikes at the very core of our being, of our existence. To get a little philosophical on you, there's existence and there's essence. Essence is like what a thing is, and existence is the fact that it is. 
So a priest can never leave ministry in that sense, or he can never leave the priesthood. He can leave his ministry, but he's always a priest, just as someone who's baptized is always baptized. Uh, the minister of the sacrament of holy orders is a bishop. The form of the prayer, which remembers the words, is the prayer of ordination itself, and the matter is the imposition of hands. Uh, there is much more to the ceremony, including uh, accepting the candidates, anointing their hands with chrism, making promises to the bishop of praying the breviary, simplicity of life, celibacy, respect, and obedience, uh, and all of these are made for the church. But as long as the prayer of ordination is said and the imposition of hands are done, that man's a priest. You can see kind of a difference in the time frame, too. Uh, nowadays, you know, the bishop, he'll put his hands on the, the man to be ordained, and he'll kind of stay there, usually about, you know, one Hail Mary in length. Um, but back when they had lots of ordinations, you know, it was almost like an assembly line. You know, the bishop just very quickly tapped everyone's head. Uh, but it still counts. It's still imposition of hands. Um, and this ceremony, everything that's attached to it, is all about calling down God's grace on the ordinandi, invoking the help of the saints, and strengthening the man with oil for his new mission as a priest. Think back to the kings of Israel in the Old Testament. They all had to be anointed to be given the strength to carry out their duties and ministry as kings. Our Lord instituted the sacrament at the Last Supper, the first Mass, when he told the disciples, do this in remembrance of me. Christ did not give the power of sacrificing the Mass to everyone, but only those to whom he trained and deemed worthy. The Lord gave them the power to remit sins when Jesus breathed on the apostles after the resurrection and said, whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. And right before the ascension, Christ gave them the power to dispense the rest of the sacraments with... All the power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all days, even until the end of the world. Christ's authority itself established the priesthood, and the commission gave priests the power to perform the sacraments, and his promise to be with us always to the end of the world has most appropriately to do with the Eucharist. But to have the Eucharist, you need priests. And did you see that, that gift that Christ has given us? He wanted his presence to be extended in the world until the very end of time. And so he never wanted to leave us alone. He never wanted to leave us behind, so he gave us priests that he could continue his work with human hands. You might have seen a uh, tradition, especially still in some cultures, to kiss the hands of a newly ordained priest. And this is because that the people realize that the priest's hands are Christ's hands. Um, you know, I mean, people have no business kissing the hands of Frank Furman, but Father Frank Furman, or a priest of Jesus Christ, that veneration that you give to those hands is veneration that you give to Christ, first and foremost. Secondly, it's because his hands smell really good after they've been anointed with chrism. Another example of this sort of uh, thinking is St. John Paul II, who let the faithful kiss his ring. You know, they were not referencing Carol Wojtyla. They were showing respect for, for Peter himself, for the papal office, who is, which is both distinct and above the man who holds it. 
As God's ambassadors, any honor given to a priest is honor that's given to God. And so that's why many of the saints were always respectful of priests. Even St. Francis said if he were to meet an angel and a priest, he would reverence the priest first because of who he is. So that's what the priesthood is. But let's consider the men who become priests. You know, the, the guidelines are they must have an excellent character. They have to be at least 24 years of age. They have to have the intention of doing a life of ministry, a good mind to complete studies, and in a state of grace. But how does a priest begin? He begins with a call, a call from God. And men don't need, uh, you know, a direct call, like, I didn't have any visions or extraordinary experiences. It was just kind of this gentle sort of pull, uh, this thinking that, you know, priesthood looks good to me. I could see myself doing that. And then just having this feeling that seminary is where I need to be right now to really figure out this call. And seminary is where men are formed to be priests. They undergo the scrutiny of the faculty and devote themselves to prayer and study. That formation is about learning to live each moment of life to its fullest. And sometimes men during this time, you know, they get more in touch with God and more in touch with who they are as themselves, uh, and they find that they're not called. But, you know, if the man, if he stays in faculty, if he keeps getting passed on, it's a good indicator that he is called to be a priest. A buzzword floating around a lot of Catholic circles is discernment, which is what seminary is about. But most men don't realize that they're never given 100% certainty. God usually offers multiple paths to men, and priesthood is one, more, one path. It's more generous because you give up having a wife and a kids in a certain sense, in the biological sense. But, you know, when you're ordained, you have all of these spiritual children that you help to tend for and care for and bring up their souls. And even without this absolute certainty, you know, men still need to enter seminary. They need to give it a go because that's where they'll really find out whether or not they're called. And if a man thinks that he's called to be a priest, he will never find peace until he goes and figures out the call, until he goes to seminary and properly discerns what God wants for his life. Uh, one Benedictine monk's vocation story puts discernment in a, in a nice, you know, trite perspective. Uh, he said, I wanted to become a priest, so I did. That's it. He gave himself over to formation, and that was enough. He didn't get a rose from St. Therese. Um, you know, he didn't have an overwhelming experience. He simply just gave himself to God's will. And, that, and he did the math afterwards and figured, hey, this is for me. The main staple of a priest's life is sacrifice, first and foremost, above everything else. In the Old Testament, priests were entrusted by God to offer sacrifice for the people, and we mean the, you know, very real, very messy sacrifice. So you take the lamb, you slit its throat, you cut it in half, you drain the blood. Um, I'm happy that things have changed since then. Uh, but, you know, we still go on, and when we receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, the priest is still offering sacrifice. And you see that when he raises the body and blood of our Lord, that he is raising the petitions of every one of you, of everyone in the congregation, everything they bring to the Mass, everything that's on their hearts, that weighs them down, that troubles them, that burdens them, that all gets raised physically and spiritually by the priest when he consecrates the bread and wine into the body and blood of our Lord. Priesthood is also a path that's about service. 
the obligations resting on a priest are neither few nor are they light because he is given the care of souls, whereas kings and rulers only have power over the body and are to care for earthly needs. The priest's salvation depends upon the people he's given charge of. So the priest's job is to prepare them for heaven and to make them holy. A crass way of putting this is that if someone you know, burns because of negligence on my part, I'm also going to burn. So you can bet that I want all of you to go to heaven. You know, even the ones who aren't here right now, you know, I want all of you to have salvation, to find our Lord and to be with him forever. And this brings up another point, that the priesthood is not about fear. It's not about not being able to do anything else in life. Uh, many don't feel worthy, so they don't pursue the priesthood. And that's feeling, that feeling is correct, because no man is worthy of priesthood, but it's still a gift from God. It's still a blessing on all the people. That's why the priesthood is always celebrated in the cathedral. It's a celebration for everyone in the diocese. And this is because the priesthood is firstly about love. The love that God has for his people, for the faithful. And then the love that the men have whom he's chosen for their salvation. These men that God call are called to be a sacrifice for him. They mimic Christ crucified on the cross. The love of God that a priest must have must be a love that surpasses and overcomes all fear in his life. Whatever baggage he carries with him, whatever troubles him, his love must overcome these. Otherwise, he can give in to despair and he can lose opportunities to heal people. A man who fears doing something will do nothing, and that is a danger in itself. Today is the feast day of St. John Vianney. And he exemplified both of these traits of service and sacrifice to the T, which is why he's the patron saint of parish priests. He became a priest in France just after the time of the French Revolution, which greatly persecuted the church. It, it wiped it off of the face of France. It still stayed underground, but it wasn't there officially until three years after the revolution ended. And the materialistic thinking of the Enlightenment uh, took root in many of these Frenchmen you know, brainwashing them into thinking that learning and religion were incongruous, that they could not be together. You could not be smart and believe in religion at the same time. And you see this a lot of times today. Uh, we still see this. But imagine John Vianney having to deal with this in the day, having to deal with these people who were very zealous for these false ideas. And it was no wonder that France was in need of a saint like St. John Vianney to bring people back to him. And God heard their prayers and God gave them St. John Vianney. His entire life was one marked by sacrifice. He was poor, so he couldn't even afford glasses when he first entered the seminary. Even though he was highly intelligent, his Latin was bad, which at that time, even up until the 1960s, Latin was the gateway to learning everything else. Everything was in Latin. So if you didn't have that language, you had a lot of trouble in your schooling. And even with these failures and setbacks, he still knew that God wanted him to be a priest, so he kept at it and was eventually ordained. However, the church was still in poor shape, still being limited in bigger cities, so he was sent to Ars, which was just this poor little backwater town out in the middle of nowhere, a little north of Lyon, and it was filled and populated by farmers. But something amazing happened there, even being in the middle of nowhere. And that 
was wiped, droves of people started to show up there. They started returning to the church. They started using the sacraments. This was because St. John Vianney had such special gifts from God. He was able to read hearts, and he would spend eight hours or more in the confessional each day. He gave out light penances to people because he would do the rest of the penances that he should have given out to them. And I don't know if you know this, but you know God's justice in the sacrament of penance must still be satisfied. So if a priest gives you a light pe pe penance, he's taking the rest of that penance on himself. St. John would do just that. He would survive off of a crust of bread in the morning for breakfast and a baked potato at night for dinner. And he suffered great spiritual and physical beatings uh, by, from attacks by the devil over the course of 30 years. The perseverance of this man was just incredible. And the de devil even said at one point about this man's holiness, if there were but three men like St. John Vianney, the devil's kingdom would be ruined. In the gospel today, we hear one of the, gui three, the guiding principles for priesthood, that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. The priest must be poor in the eyes of the world, as was St. John, for there is nothing that a priest has that has not been given to him. And all that he has does not belong to him. It belongs to God. The priesthood is a reminder that we were made for heaven and that we also need help along the way, which God provides for us with priests. Even priests need other priests. They still need the sacraments themselves. And if we are to reach heaven, we need generous hearts, hearts that are ready, hearts that are willing, hearts that are able to respond to God's call. If you're an unmarried Catholic man, consider the priesthood for a life of sacrifice and service. It is a life of unity with our Lord, and it is a life blessed beyond anything that you could imagine. And if you don't know where to begin, talk with a priest. I'll conclude with uh, a little poem that I think really exemplifies what the priest is. The title is it, Thou Art a Priest Forever, and it's by a French priest, not St. John, but Lacordaire. To live in the midst of the world without wishing its pleasures, to be a member of each family, yet belonging to none, to share all sufferings, to penetrate all secrets, to heal all wounds, to go from men to God and offer him their prayers, to return from God to men, to bring pardon and hope, to have a heart of fire for charity and a heart of bronze for chastity, to teach and to pardon, console and bless always. What a glorious life, and it is yours, O priest of Jesus Christ.